It's Ronnie. And Simone. We're talking to people. And learning things. With Adam from the booth. Hey, yo. What am I doing in here? Ah. You're, tra- you're trapped. <laughs> Welcome back to the Ronnie and Simone podcast. We are really pleased and excited to have our guest with us today. Her name is Leslie Bolt. She is, uh, she's a good friend of mine, and I would describe her by saying she is a force of nature. A badass, maybe? A total badass, and somebody we should all aspire to be when we grow up. So welcome, Leslie. Thanks for having me, gals. So you are a master of marketing communications. You are Leslie Bolt of Bolt Communications. I have to ask the question because I it's come up for me, and I know other people will ask, but like Leslie Bolt is such a great name, and that's your real name. It is my real name. You yeah. didn't change it for the awesomeness of no, like having it, bold communication. No, it's, it came this way, but it, I mm-hmm. am fortunate mm-hmm. to to have, have been born with a strong name. It's very strong. That's, a, that's what I was going to say. It's like a really powerful name. And <laughs> yeah, it's great. I, I love my name. It feels good. It's like a statement. And it, mm-hmm. I think it says a lot about me, too. I think mm-hmm. it totally embodies your personality. And we're going to get into that. So, Leslie, maybe you can start by telling us kind of... Uh, what was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? How did you come to be you? I I grew up in in North Vancouver in Lynn Valley. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a great place. And so when I was in school, I mostly focused on, you know, getting good grades and um, music. The, that those were my passions. Oh, when I was what did in, you play? I played the flute in the band, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I sang in the the choir, oh. the, the vocal jazz choir at my high school. Cool. Uh, at Argyle Secondary, and we were we were national champions. What? Yeah, so we go to, the, you know, like Glee? Yep. So we were, they, they call vocal jazz choirs in the States, they call them show choirs. And so on Glee, that they were a show choir, mm-hmm. and they go to competitions, mm-hmm. and we did that too. So. Oh, uh, my and God. And you were champions. We were champions. We were Canadian champions. Three what? years. I'm totally fangirling over you. <laughs> it was, you know what? It was that I feel like singing... Um, in front of large audiences prepared me for my future life. Well, have you oh. always been kind of outspoken and out there or was that something you kind of I developed? Think so. Yeah, yeah I think like I born, was born like that way. Born coming out with your like, ah! like, like I'm a here. Ethel, a little Ethel Mermany. Pretty right. much. Yeah. yeah, I had a bit of bit of bit of attitude straight straight out of the gate. Yeah. Um, but I think that I liked being performing. I liked to be in front of people, being in front of people. Mm. And um, so, you know, music was a good sort of channel for that. But then in my later life, you know, and in the work that I do now, I think I'm a little bit fearless. And I think I have performing to thank for that. So Mm. uh, anyone who does it, whether they act or sing or do whatever they do um, in front of people, even sports, it's like I think it's a real confidence builder because it makes you comfortable being in. Um, in front and around and expressing yourself in front of other people. We had a, we actually had a guest who um, does improv and she told us a similar thing. It's like when you perform in front of people, especially improv, like you really have to learn how to trust yourself. And so like, it's such a, it's a gift. Like, and then we were talking, Simone and I, about how neither of us have been, have considered ourselves to be great performers or interested in performing, but podcasting is definitely drawing that out. Maybe me more so. I'm out. I'm, I'm out all the time. (laughs) Right? Am I not out? Am I in? You're you're in. You're in. But how performance like and it's just like even Toastmasters, like something as simple as Toastmasters, it it there's something about performing that seems to build out your confidence in order to have maybe more um productive 
or powerful one-on-one conversations. So like when it comes to negotiating or when it comes, yeah, then, or bu- or selling. Confidence. Yeah. confidence. It really builds your confidence. And, and from a young age, when you do that from a young age, you just kind of, you get accustomed to that. You get accustomed to expressing yourself in a very public way. Mm. And, and then as you're older, that really comes in handy when you're, yeah, negotiating a contract or, um, speaking in front of a group of people or, or whatever it is. And so I, I, I'm, I would consider myself a very confident person, and I think I owe a lot of that to, you know, great family, good mm. parents, and, and um, a, a great place to grow up in, in mm. North Van, and, and performance. So then you went, but you spent some time in Nanaimo. You moved to Nanaimo. Um, Victoria. Oh, Victoria. Yeah. And when did you do that? Why did you so do that? So I moved to Victoria in 1992. I was a legislative intern. So seriously, I graduated from uh, SFU with a degree in poli-sci, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And there was a poster on the on the wall in the hallway in the poli-sci department for the legislative internship program. And I was like, hmm, I guess I, guess I could try that, because I had no idea what I was going to do for work after school. What drew you to poli-sci in the first place? Like how I love politics. Yeah. So my... my Dad was involved in politics uh, when he was a teenager in Saskatchewan and then here in BC, um, obviously when he was older. And um, so um, when I was a kid, we were door knocking and putting mm-hmm. up signs and, and around politicians all the time. And, and so I, you know, I got the bug, I think, from my dad and my grandparents. I mean, a lot of our family are interested in politics or participate in one way or another. And uh, so I just was really, I was passionate about it. So it seemed like a natural thing to study and I had a ton of fun studying it, but what do you, what do you do with a poli-sci degree, you know? And so I saw this poster on, on the, on the, um, the wall in the hallway and, um, I applied and, and I got it and it was the best experience of my life. I made friends that I still have to this day. We had a heck of a good time. And, um, that was also my entree into, um, working at the legislature, legislature in Victoria. And I, so I did that for five years in different jobs and then uh, eventually moved into the civil service doing communications, which is how I learned to do what I do now. Mm-hmm. So it's a great time. So you were in Victoria, you were working as legislative assistant, you decided to leave and you're, and cause you wanted to, you wanted to go into communications in, you moved back to Vancouver. Yeah. So then what moved, so what got you back to Vancouver? So I got a job at Van City Credit Union. Yay, Van City. Yeah. And um, the funny thing is I wasn't at Van City for very long. Um, I was offered a job, a four-month contract to be a director of communications. So I was 30 years old and I was like, okay, if I don't take this job, it's going to be another 10 years at mm-hmm. least mm-hmm. before I get that. So I I just took it, a four-month four contract and it was fantastic and I had great mentors and a, it was a great experience for me. And, um, and then I thought, well, I'm just going to take the summer off and study, study French in Quebec. And mm-hmm. then I'll just come back to Vancouver and get a job. So this is 2001. Mm-hmm. So I came back to Vancouver in September, 2001. Mm-hmm. So, um, as everyone knows, September 11th happened and a weird thing happened, um, in not, uh, totally understandable in the job market. It just dried up. Mm-hmm. There was no jobs. Cause I think everyone was a little bit understandably so worried that world war three mm-hmm. was about to start and we didn't know where this was going to end. Mm. And so, um, I just decided to start consulting, contracting just to pay the bills until, um, it picked up, it picked up again. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, four months went by, five months went by. And then I was like, I'm pretty good at this. Mm. Right. So I thought I would give it a go. So I registered Bolt Communications in 2000. 
one and, um, and I gave it a go as a consultant. And I'm like every other small business person. I did <laughs> made absolutely every mistake you can make. I didn't bill enough. Yeah. I worked from home. I was totally isolated. I was lonesome. When I was really busy, I was really lonesome because mm-hmm. I was working all the time from mm-hmm. home in mm-hmm. my pajamas. I used to joke that the only person I would see uh, um, every day was the barista at Max's Deli mm. where I'd go to get my Americano <laughs> around 1030, right? right? That was it. Mm-hmm. That was all the human interaction I had. And, you know, I was in my early 30s. So it wasn't really like um, a good time to mm-hmm. be kind of holed up in your apartment working away. Mm. So I decided to get a real job. And I uh, got a job at Vancouver Public Libraries, their manager of marketing, and that's where I met Simone. So, yeah. sorry, you registered your business and you were like, I'm good at this, but then you, the payoff in The in payoff wasn't there. Was- I wasn't making enough money. Mm-hmm. I was lonely. Mm-hmm. I was isolated. I, um, uh, I wasn't necessarily, when you start your own business, you don't necessarily take the right clients for you. You basically yeah. take whoever Any- will hire you. Yes. Yeah. And so I ended up taking some clients that were fine, but that weren't really what I was interested in or in my Mm -hmm. wheelhouse or sometimes not even really a good values alignment. But I was like, "Hmm," you know, Mm -hmm. girls, girls got to make a living. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just wasn't very happy. Right. So um, I had a good idea how to do things and how not to do things. But I made so many mistakes. Like to give you an example, um, I used to I hope there's uh, budding entrepreneurs out there listening to this. Yes, right here. Right here. So <laughs> I um, I wouldn't bill monthly. I would bill at the end of the project. So sometimes I would have five or six month projects and I wouldn't bill until the end of the project. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be broke. Mm-hmm. I would be borrowing money from my parents mm-hmm. until the check came in. And then I get these massive like $23,000 checks. But I mean... I didn't know how to manage cash flow. Um, I didn't um, didn't know how to make sure that my clients paid me. Mm-hmm. So I and, and I, I I found I went to a networking event and a, an, an older consultant told me you got to put a line at the bottom of the invoice that says you'll charge interest if if their payment is late. Mm-hmm. I swear that made an enormous difference. All of a sudden, more people were paying me on time. Mm-hmm. And it was just that one line, you know? And I've only charged interest in my, what, how long I've been in business? 17 years of business. I've charged interest like twice. Right. You know, because they were really egregious, mm-hmm. like overdue bills, mm-hmm. statements. But I just made a lot of mistakes. And I found it very stressful. I couldn't sleep because I was worrying about money. I, I just feel like anyone who's ever started a business will just relate to all of this, yeah. right? I worried about money, money constantly. Mm. Um, my friends had more money than me. There's like a Friends episode about that. You know, mm. the one where like Ross and um, and Chandler, oh, yeah. you know, they go to Hootie and the Blowfish and they're yeah. like, woo, you know. And and meanwhile, like Phoebe and, and, and uh, Rachel Joey and, and Joey are totally unemployed. Yeah. yeah. So that was, I was, I was like the Joey, Phoebe, you know, Rachel group and, um, so there would be all these awkward situations, you know, we'd go for out for a celebratory dinner for someone and the, my bill would come and it would be like 60 bucks and I'd just be sick inside because I'm like, okay, this is like groceries for a week, you know? And so it was just a very stressful time. And so uh, for all those reasons and more, I, I applied for a job at, at the library and uh, I got it and um, I was there for a couple, couple of years. Was it difficult to like, so you registered your business and you were like, I'm an independent, like I own my own Mm -hmm. business. I am my own business. And, and then to decide that, that you're going to drop that and start a full-time job. 
Yeah, I mean, to I, be to be honest, and some of my employers over the years, because I've I left consulting twice. Uh, they those both employers probably didn't weren't aware of this, but I I continued to consult while I mm. was um, in those jobs, but not often. But you know, I in my earlier years of consulting, I was known as a speechwriter, corporate speechwriter. Mm. So I would often get approached by, oh, can you write a speech for this conference or that conference? And it was really easy; it was a little extra money, and you know. Yeah. But I also wanted to just kind of keep one pinky in mm-hmm. in the game. So you didn't actually have to like you weren't choosing between the two. You were kind no, of No, I yeah. mean I I what I was choosing not to consult full time, I think yeah. was the choice. That consulting full time is not for the fate of heart. I it's great for me now, but I have learned so much over the last 17 years. Um and uh but I struggled a lot and I, and I again, I want Every entrepreneur I know has has felt this way. You're just like, oh, am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Why am I doing this? Why am I choosing to make my living this way? You know, mm-hmm. because it's just too hard. You know, and uh, so, but you know what? My view is, my philosophy is, it's okay to take a break if it's mm-hmm. really kind of getting you down, which it was. Take a little break. Do something different. Get a quote unquote regular job, which mm-hmm. is what I call them. And so I did that twice over the past uh, seventeen years. And one experience wasn't that great, and the other one was incredible and uh, has sort of launched me on the trajectory I am on mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So so then, so what made you decide to go back to consulting full-time? And and also, what is all this wisdom you've gained in the 17 years of consulting? Well, you know, my, my business manager and I do offer a workshop called Consulting Basics for Professionals. Oh. We haven't offered it in a few years, but um, uh, with sufficient demand, we'd be happy to offer it again. And so <laughs> there's so many things that you learn over the years. I mean, I, I won't bore you with all the details, but taxes, mm-hmm. bookkeeping, contracts. Okay. Yes. I did not have a written contract with a client for the first five years of my business. I am not kidding. Uh, and I didn't have a real legal contract, like one written by a lawyer, mm-hmm. until t- 2011, so mm-hmm. seven years ago. Does so, it have to be written by a lawyer? It doesn't. No. You know, as, as a, my, a good friend of mine is a lawyer, and, and I told him this. I did the mea culpa. I'm like, I don't do written, written contracts. And he said, it's still a contract. If, if you have an email from the mm-hmm. client saying they will pay you this much for this, it's a contract. But the thing about having a formal contract that you've drafted is you get to set the terms. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is when you need to pay me by. If you don't pay me, this is what happens. Um, this is what you authorize me to do. I, I, in turn, commit not to tell anyone about what you do. I keep your secrets or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, non-disclosure agreements, that kind of thing. But it really, you get to set the terms under which you were willing to work with a client. So you can you can see, even me just saying that, it's the power relationship between employers and mm-hmm. staff <clears throat> changes. And you become an equal with your client. It's, yeah. and, you that's, know, really, that's a hard relationship to manage. It really is. Yeah. Especially when you've been in an employer-employee relationship your entire life, yeah. which I was. So you can, if you're not careful, you can let your clients walk all over you. Um, I have a, a, a sort of amusing anecdote about this. Very recently, one of my clients sent me a, a letter that he wanted me to review at like 9.30 at night. And I'd been out for, you know, a few cocktails. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really, you know, in prime, <laughs> prime condition to do, <laughs> to do editorial. Right. Right. Um, and, but he, and he's like, and I want to send it out first thing tomorrow. Oh God. Mm. So I was thinking, when exactly am I supposed to work on this? And so... 
I, um, I sent him an email and I said, you know, I'm going to do this for you because it just looks like I've, I reviewed it and it's, it'll be a light edit, not a big deal. Um, but y- this is not okay. Mm-hmm. You need to give me more time to work on this. And I said to him, I had a couple of glasses of wine. You know, this is not, I'm not in my best shape to do good work for you. Mm-hmm. So I sent him that email literally seconds later, he phoned me up and he, he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You're right. I won't do it again. Right. And it, it was, what it was really nice about it was, first of all, he was, a, he was such a, a, a good guy about it, yeah. but also that he responded so positively to me setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right. So this, I, I mean, I could just, I could go on about all the different ways uh, to protect yourself, mm. both as a woman and as an entrepreneur to make sure that your clients don't walk all over you. But um, now I know what I'm doing and I'm super confident and I know where to set the boundaries, but I still make mistakes all the time. I, I often say business is about making mistakes and learning from them. Like it's actually what business is. Mm-hmm. It's not actually about, you know, the product you make or the service you provide. It's, it's about making mistakes, learning from them, and uh, and it making you better. Yeah. So one of the things about um, owning your own business and the thing that scares me the most about being a consultant or just having your own business is the hustle, right? The hustle for a new business. Everybody says that, yeah. So how do you how do you go about kind of developing your elevator pitch or telling developing your story or how what is it that you do to sort of market yourself when you're looking for new business? I guess. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, I, I struggled, everybody struggles with their own elevator pitch. And uh, so just for whatever it's worth, I struggled with it for a long time because um, it's hard to talk about yourself and it's all, it's even harder to do a self-promo, you know, to promote yourself. But it's really something you need to get over if you want to succeed uh, in whatever your, your business is. You need to own your awesome, own your fabulousness and be able to uh, with a straight face, tell people, you know, who you are, um, what you believe in and what you do. Right. So, so you have to know that first though, too. Absolutely. Like you you got to think about it a lot. Yeah. You know, I will often get all the time. In fact, I get calls from other consultants or people who are looking for work and, um, I'll say, so what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. Really anything, you know, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it very much. And I'm like, well, that's your, that's job one. Mm-hmm. So what is it you want to do? Who are you? What do you love doing? You know, what are you, what are you interested in doing? Because when you go out to do that pitch, it is a pitch. It's an ele- that's why they call it an elevator pitch. You're right. pitching yourself, right? You want to be able to, in a, 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 you know, a few sentences, say you, you want to leave an impression, which is you want them to be impressed by you. Um, and you want to be really clear about what you want to do. So when consultants, other consultants come to me, and then they want, I think they're looking for a contract or a subcontract or whatever. And I say, well, what, what are you good at? What do you like to do? And if they can't answer that question, then I'm like, yeah, well, we're done here, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that actually like helps with the selling. Like you, if you know totally. an, well enough what you want to do and what your offering is, then it's a lot easier to voice that versus like the difficulty in selling yourself is not knowing your worth or what you're, what you're bringing to the table or like what it is that you want to offer. That's right. And, and some people pretend that that's humility, but it's not really humidity, humi- humidity. <laughs> it's I mean, not, it's not really humidity either. No, it's not humidity either. <laughs> it's not humility. It's actually fear. It's fear mm. of failure. It's fear of looking foolish. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so that's why practice is good, you know, is, is write your elevator pitch, revise it, revise it again, 
practice it, practice it with your friends, you know, um, Ronnie, you can do it with Simone, Simone, mm-hmm. you can do it with Ronnie, you know, you just like practice your elevator pitch and then you can get a little feedback. Get somebody and, else to write it. <laughs> get somebody else to write it, tighten it up, you yeah. know, and then, but eventually you're just kind of like, you know, it just kind of rolls off the, the tongue. Yeah. So people ask me what I do. Sometimes I go for the long form and the short form, you know, so long, uh, short form is I say, well, I, t- I help people tell their story, people and companies, m- maybe they have a new product, they want people to know about it, maybe they're, they have an issue that they want to be um, more known about in the public eye, mm-hmm. and I help, I help them uh, tell that story to uh, um, the audience that they're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's very the sort of short form. But then, you know, for, for more sophisticated potential clients, I'll be like, well, I do media relations and I write mm. and I, I can facilitate video and website production and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, or I can do a strategy for you to figure out how you want to launch this new product or service. So um, it really depends on the audience. That's the thing. The other thing about elevator pitches mm-hmm. is that it depends on who you're talking to. So start by knowing who you're in the room know with. Know your audience. The elevator with. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Know your audience. Know what it is you want to say. Practice it. There's no shame in it. Um, and eventually, it'll feel comfortable. It'll feel like a comfortable pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. And you'll just mm-hmm. be like slipping into them. And, and you know, I'm not always like on, on selling. I'm not selling all the time. But there are times when I'm like, okay, LB, you got to bring it, right? You got to bring your game face, right? Mm-hmm. And I, and I project uh, confidence, um, a, a certainty that I know what I'm doing, mm-hmm. um, and, and a sense of, of self-worth that mm-hmm. I, you know, I deserve to be paid what I'm asking you to pay me. And so you should just pay it. Just pay yeah, it. Just pay yeah. it. Yeah. But because I project that confidence, I think um, it makes it easier for me to get the business. But I will also say most of my business, the hustle that you're talking about, is is really just, I, for me, it's just going for coffee with people and having a chat. Mm-hmm. It's it's ninety percent social, and ten percent pitch, right? That's what that's where I wanted to go next, actually. And I was thinking along the lines of like informational interviews, but also like that, like taking identifying someone in your mind as like maybe a potential client. And then like I'm not very I don't find that I'm very good. I'll go into a meeting and I think I have an intention, but then like I don't I often come out of that meeting and be like, Oh, I feel like I didn't get any like I I don't know what I actually got and I feel like I just wasted both of our time. And so I don't know what the missing piece is necessarily there. Well, I think that, like, for me, I don't know, I don't know either, because I'm not in the, in the yeah. room with you, but um, that'd be fun, though, right? <laughs> just come along with us. You guys Hi. just like... I'm just observing her pitch. Yeah. <laughs> Pretend I'm not here. <laughs> Maybe it's just, it comes back to, like, no, having a clear intention. So, like... Partly a clear intention, but also a plan. When you go into yeah. a meeting, it's just like I said about the elevator pitch, and, and, I, and I know you're probably thinking, oh, my God, I have to practice everything. Yeah, you do, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're going into a meeting with a client that or a potential client that you really want, you have a, a game plan. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to go in there. You know, for me, I'll do like five minutes of ice breaking. Oh, I can't believe the weather today. It's mm. either bad or really good. Or they'll say, how are you? And I'll be like, oh, my allergies are just crazy, which is almost always true, by the way. So it's a totally legit. You know, my nose is usually running. You know, I'm having these conversations. And uh, but I'll just just real small talk, you know, just to kind of 
break the ice or, um, you know, just got back from holiday or whatever, even for the perfect stranger, because it just helps to kind of warm you both up. You're both a little less awkward. And, uh, and then you basically, you just, you ask, people love to be asked about themselves and their work. So uh, if I'm doing a pitch, I'll start with like, so tell me about what you do. Tell me about your business. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, because presumably there's been some sort of a connection prior to this meeting where they think that maybe you can provide them with a service. Presumably that's, that's, I don't do a lot of cold calls, right? That is very salesy. So maybe you met someone at a meet uh, at an event and you're like, oh, I produce podcasts. And they're like, oh, I want to do a podcast. And, and then you say, well, let's have a conversation. You give me your business card. You set up a meeting. Then you go into the meeting. You do what I just said. You do the icebreaker, yeah. la, la, la. And then you ask them about their business. And then eventually you'll get to say, so let, tell me, why do you think a podcast is the way to go? Or why do you think you need a communications plan or, or whatever it is you're on offer? And, um, and they'll tell you, and then you can sort of riff with them and give them some advice for free. Always give a little bit. Don't give away the farm, but give them a little taste of what you can do for them and uh -huh. say, you know, what I'm hearing is, you know, your sales are down and you really want to reach uh, the youth audience. And so here's, here's what I think I could do for you. And they'd be like, that'd be great. And so you say, great, I'll do a, a, a proposal for you. Uh -huh. And then that's how it, it usually flows from there. So for a brand new client, that's usually how it goes. Um, but I don't do a cold, cold call. I just don't randomly call a client and say, hey, I think you're a cool company. I want to work for you. It's usually you get an introduction, you know, LinkedIn. I could go on and on, by the way. Just shut me up anytime. We're listening. We're okay. Yeah, we're like, so, so, but, say, but I do, but I have follow ups. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll shut up eventually. Yeah. But <laughs> if you want, not want, you just know in your mind, you're like, oh my God, I love this company so much. I totally want to work for them. We're so aligned values wise or lifestyle wise. Um, but you don't know anybody there. Then you go onto LinkedIn and you see who in your network knows somebody there. And then you go to that person in your network, and if you know your friends, even better, always leverage the friendships. Fr friends of friends help friends, mm -hmm. and uh, they do. I know it sounds trite, but no, it's true. I, I just thinking about like every time I have an issue at work, I'm like, I'm just gonna phone Leslie and see who she knows <laughs> and what she can do. So, so you find someone that you know to make an introduction, and then uh, it's no longer a cold call. Mm -hmm. It's a person who you um, that you both know who is introducing you. And, and then you set up the premise of your meeting, saying, I'm really interested in your organization. I think you could really benefit from podcasting. If you're interested, um, I'd mm. like to uh, have coffee. Mm. And you buy the coffee, by the way. Yeah. Yes. I can't tell you how many yahoos have invited me for coffee. And then I'm, I'm buying the Americanos. I'm like, yeah. how did that happen? Right? Mm. So buy the coffee and, uh, and have the conversation. But if you sense, you've got you to gotta have good emotional intelligence when it comes to the pitch. Because if their shields are up and they're just like not feeling you, then just don't make the pitch at the, just walk away, just mm -hmm. pay for the coffee and, and be on your way. Mm -hmm. But, um, more times than not, they'll, you'll, they'll get, they'll be interested in you mm -hmm. and then you can figure out, okay, what's the follow-up? Is it a proposal? Is it another meeting? You know? Um, and, uh, but I guess I'm going on and on, but, um, for me, focus on the relationship and the opportunities will come don't always be w waiting to make that pitch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, focus on getting them to really like you and, and to um, be impressed by you. 
and that's your focus and that's an easier sale sale to make I think so I actually so what I struggle with is because I don't feel like I've gotten to the point where I like I I think I'm really close, but I haven't gotten quite to the point where I think I know exactly what I want to offer. Um, so I don't have my pitch. But I'm in the meantime, I'm like meeting or getting the opportunity to meet all these incredible people. And I like I just recently there's this man that I saw speak in 2013 and I just like I thought he was so cool. And then I just recently had this great opportunity to meet him and there was a, a, a connection, a mutual connection. But he just like the timing didn't quite work and I couldn't really explain explain to him what the like I didn't know exactly what I was trying to get out of it other than just like building this potential relationship with him that's fine that's but, your objective then but it didn't I had a really hard time getting engaging engage, yeah. them because it was like it's like what do, what am I bringing to the table like I'm asking them for it, it's almost like I I'm, agree yeah yeah I agree and that's when I meet with people who want to do an information interview or maybe who are looking for work I find it very frustrating when they don't um, have a reason uh, for wanting to meet me um, and don't have anything to offer me in yeah. return. And when I say offer me, I'm not looking for like business. I'm looking for like connection or yeah. mutual interests or someone that I just feel like I really want, I want to help this person be successful. That happens to me sometimes is mm -hmm. I'll meet these young people who are like just starting out in communications and and they'll be, you know, asking me for advice and not anything else except advice. They ask me for advice and it makes me feel good because they're mm -hmm. asking for my expertise. It's like you guys right now, feels good, feels good. <laughs> um, and uh, it, it, um, it makes me want to help them. So there's one young woman that I met a few months ago that I'm just like, I am, I'm on a mission to find her an amazing opportunity mm -hmm. because I just think she'll shine in it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a question of finding that opportunity for her. So. Yeah. But I guess like part of, for me is like the point of with this gentleman is I know some of the, some of his background and I know some of his interests and like I communicated, we had those in common, but it's like, I want to get to know them because I want to figure out what, like I, I want to figure out what the mutual, there's a desire to work with them in some capacity, but like I don't, I don't know exactly what that is. And so it's like a getting to, it's almost like a friend dating or like yeah. mentor dating. Yeah. Or like, and I guess, I, I guess that's, that's fine if they, and I mean this nicely, if they have the time for it. Yeah. But, um, I think that, um, you should always have in your mind, well, what can I bring to the table in this relationship? Okay. Can, like you are a podcast expert, so you, you could bring that up and say, you know, I do podcasts. I don't know if this is relevant to your business. But if it ever is, or if you know of anyone mm -hmm. who is interested in this kind of service, um, let me know. Yeah. And that's your pitch. So you do. Right there. Yeah. Right? And then you walk away, and then that percolates, and then one day somebody says, Bob, I need, a, I need someone to produce a podcast. And he's like, ding, ding, mm -hmm. ding. Mm -hmm. I've got just the person. Mm. That's how business development works. It's not the sort of like you go for coffee, you tell tell them what you want, and they shazam, they give you a job. It doesn't work that way. It's it's relationship development, but that you set very clearly what you want. And yeah. and I would even suggest don't have those meetings unless you have an idea of what you want. Yeah. I think that's the because like I'm relationship building like I would a friend. That's I guess. right. And yeah, that's and that's what I do too. Approach. I make friends with everybody. And then if I feel like there's an alignment from on a professional level, then then you just tack it on really at the end of the meeting. You're just like, you know, it'd be great to work together sometime. It can that can be your pitch. 
Mm-hmm. Be great mm-hmm. to work together. Let's see if we can find a project to work on together. I often say that to people. And I mean it sincerely. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not going to happen overnight. But you plant those seeds with each other. And then one day, your phone rings. And they're like, remember that coffee we had where we were talking about this? Um, let's do something about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or I'll do that. I'll do that all the time. I'll phone yeah. people up and I'll be like... Can you help me with this? Mm-hmm. You know, this social media thing that I don't really know how to do. Mm-hmm. And they're like, sure. And Shazam, we're working together. Right. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. fun. That's how Ronnie and I got together too. I mean, we were sort of sitting around being like commiserating and we were sitting and we're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do this. And she's like, I want to do that. We should. And then that's it. Then we just sort of started talking about, are you serious? And are you serious? And that's and that's how we kind of got together, or else none of neither of us would be here right now. Neither would you. You wouldn't be here right now if it weren't no, for that true. one conversation Ronnie and I had. Exactly. And also, year. it is like it is like business dating, you know, because it's it, it, that's a pretty good analogy actually. Because sometimes it's a total mismatch. You think that you want to date them, and then you sign a contract, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh, I, yeah. I do not want to work for this person." And so you have to look think about your exit strategy. Like, how do I beep beep? How do yeah, I back yeah. out of this one? Right. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes you sort of, you fall in love. You're the lusting, you're lusting after them. Totally. And they're not interested in you at all. Or you fall in love, but the timing's all wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, they're with other, they're with other vendors. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, but it is kind of a lot like dating. And then sometimes you take a chance. It's like, sometimes my phone will ring out of the blue. And it'll just be someone who, who's heard of me. So I, referrals are a big part of how I get business these mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that happens a lot once you've been in business longer, is mm-hmm. you get more and more referrals. And the phone will ring, and it'll be like a complete stranger. And I'll be like, should I take a chance on them? Should I mm-hmm. like take a meeting, or should I sign a contract? And you do, and it ends up being one of the best things you ever did. And you end up like having this amazing you know, friendship with a client who's who's just as invested in your success and happiness as you are in theirs. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And you never saw it coming. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like online, you know. Would, could you ever Tinder. be enticed? <laughs> yeah. Could you ever be enticed to go back and work for another company? Or? I, I would say, I often say it would have to, the opportunity would have to be extraordinary. I really struggle, um, believe it or not, running my own business, but not for the same reasons I did when I was um, starting out. It's I'm bi- I'm very busy, mm-hmm. and I work yeah. I work really hard. I have a strong work work ethic. Uh, my income is great, but um, I you know getting older, and I just don't want to work this hard anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, my my challenge, my life's work now, is to figure out how to make a good living and and work less. Mm. Uh, which I guess is the holy grail for all of us, but um, but that's what what I'm focusing on now. Uh, I don't think any job at my level in my profession uh, would be e- um, easier than mm-hmm. what I do now. I think it would probably be harder mm-hmm. because you you know when you're a salaried person, you're you're uh, you know on someone else's clock, not your own. Um, there's no such thing as overtime when you're an exempt staffer yeah. and. A, and I struggle, I struggle with authority. So um, I, it's absolutely true. Mm. And I feel like there's going to be listeners out there who will be nodding. Yes, she does struggle with authority. <laughs> uh, there's a listener right here. Yeah, that's right. I struggle with authority a little bit. <laughs> and so uh, one of the things I like about being a consultant is I get to choose the people I work with. And I usually connect at the CEO or VP uh, or director level. Um, so I'm not in a hierarchy. I'm, I'm, I just sort of interface 
at a fairly senior level all the time. And I don't say that to be boastful. I just mean that I don't have to sort of work through eight layers of mm -hmm. internal corporate or government bureaucracy to, to get to the decision makers. And so that's a real treat for me. I also find that clients treat me better than employers do. Um, there's, um, they, uh, I think it has something to, to do with the fact that I bill by the hour. So, um, they know that my time is valuable in a very literal sense. Mm. And so they don't, they don't waste it with small P office politics. They just, uh, they cut to the chase and it's efficient for both of us. Yeah. And, um, so I, I would have to be an extraordinary opportunity, but I would never say never because, um, you know, I want to change the world. And if there was an opportunity to do that within an organization, I'd, I'd probably consider it, but um, again, it'd have to be pretty special. Yeah. Have was, you ever thought of running for office? <laughs> I haven't really. Do, but you need to nominate her, or like, or so, I, I think maybe in a few years I might mm. do that. But, um, but it's not working less. But it's not part of your. Work no, less, and and in fact, it would be working more. You know, I recognize I recognize that as well. So, but again, it would depend on like. My my motivation for uh, for everything, really, this is going to sound cheesy, but I want to change the world. I want to make the world a better place for, you know, animals and wildlife humans. and humans. And, and um, uh, I want to ease suffering and all that kind of stuff. And I've been lucky enough to find a way to do that through my own business uh, to support organizations and people that are doing that. Mm -hmm. um, so um, if if I felt like I could make a bigger difference by, by being an elected official, I would consider it, but, uh, I, I'm happy where I'm at right now. Mm. So I feel like I could ask you so many questions, but like, I know I'm conscious of the fact that you referenced a workshop. So what is the workshop again? And what's your website? Uh, it's bolt, B O L D T bolt communications.com. Um, we are not offering the uh, series right now, but we might be after this show is launched. Mm. Um, it's called Consulting Basics for Professionals. And okay. so what we offered, uh, me and my um, operations manager, Hillary Sampson, we, um, she's like, she's the business mind behind Bolt Communications. She's got the MBA and knows how to do the spreadsheets and things. I, <laughs> it's a little... It's a little beyond my uh, capacity and the business strategy and that kind of thing. And so we kind of teamed up to help um, people that are just starting consulting understand the basics. Um, I, I might have mentioned this earlier, but contracts, proposals, legal, taxes. If you have an American client, do, they have, do you charge GST? These are questions that mm -hmm. like, I spent hours on the internet trying to figure out. And then somebody just told me like that. you know, And I was like, oh, okay, I wasted a lot of time figuring out bootstrapping something that somebody mm -hmm. could just tell me. So I wanted to do that for other entrepreneurs. So um, we did a three-day series and like I and I basically just brought in my friends who were so great and generous with their time, including lawyers and accountants and bookkeepers and and they, uh, boy, but they were so popular. My friend, the lawyer, was like the most popular person in those three days because we all have so many legal questions yeah. when we're setting up our businesses. But um so we, yeah, I, we hope to offer that series again and, um, and share some of our pearls of wisdom. Can I ask a question? And it's a bit of a challenge on you, actually. So <laughs> I hope you'll bear with me. But you were talking about the people that you deal with as a, like with your job. And then you said, I don't mean to sound boastful. 
mm-hmm. which I I had not even thought that you were being boastful. You were just, mm-hmm. you, that's just business. That's just the way, it's like it didn't even cross my mind. And then it made me think about women in power and totally. like how we, we feel like we have to qualify. And like I'm conscious of, I'm always qualifying, but that was a word so that true. struck me. It's so true. And Simone already knows this. I'm going to answer this question by talking about my dating life for a moment. Great. Um, <laughs> I, I, a few years ago, I wrote a, um, a blog post that ended up way, being way less angry, the final version, and but there's a lot, a lot of angry stuff there in the beginning. And one of the things that I mentioned in one of the earlier drafts, the one that was not published, was about... Um, I, w- I went on a couple of dates. One guy, he called me um, aggressive because <laughs> I made a joke about how I kind of look like a Madonna in a certain light, you know. And was, you totally do. Thank oh you. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry. And Like a Prayer is my signature karaoke song. <laughs> and so I was, just, I was just messing around. And he said, wow, you're aggressive. And I was like... Wow. That was just such an interesting response to me... Uh, providing humor that was slightly self-flattering, mm-hmm. and um, and I had another on another date. I had a guy say, "Wow, you're confident," and then he said it again. "Wow, you're confident." "Wow, you're confident." I finally said, "Is that a problem?" Because mm-hmm. you've said it three times now, and he said, "Well, no, it's just not what I expected." And I said, "Well, what did you expect?" And he didn't answer. So um, I think that you're absolutely right um, that women tend to qualify. Uh, when we express our power and our confidence, we tend to qualify it because there is a in certain certain circles, certain segments of the population, there is a judgment um, that that strength and um, confidence translates into aggression and um, something distasteful, mm-hmm. and that's something that women shouldn't be right. So you're right. We, you know, I I recently started chairing a committee uh, of of alphas alpha Mm -hmm. males and females Mm. and was one of the reasons I was asked to chair the committee was just to kind of you know herd herd the cats right Mm -hmm. and I remember after that first meeting because I was I was really I ran a tight meeting and I remember afterwards I'm like was I a bitch Mm -hmm. oh my god was I too aggressive Mm -hmm. and 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 a number of people reached out to me and were like don't you ever say that again. Mm. You ran an excellent meeting. It's the first time we actually finished on time in this meeting ever. Yeah. And keep doing what you're doing, sister. Right. Mm-hmm. And I got that feedback from both men and women. So it was a good learning experience for me to not qualify uh, my power, but I think it's a habit that we women have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when I'm in an environment where I feel very confident in myself and my abilities and skills and um, when I feel the confidence of others in me, uh, I, I probably will do that less. But um, mm-hmm. but but when I'm feeling a little insecure, then I think that those qualifiers kind of escape. That makes so much sense. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much, Leslie, for being here. This was so great. I don't want to give away all of the nuggets, but... Um, but we learned a lot today. What'd you learn, Ronnie? What's the biggest takeaway? Oh my God, I learned so much. I know. Um, I definitely need to have intention, even if it's like, if I'm like relationship slash business dating. Um, Oh, so much. There were so many things that I wanted to like, just keep scribbling. And I'm like, okay, it's okay. Cause I'll listen to this many times when I'm editing. (laughs) So I don't have to write it all down. But I like, this was... Awesome. Thank you so much for oh, sharing with welcome. us because like really valuable, really valuable. Yeah. You're thank welcome. you. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun.
Yeah. <laughs> so thank you very much. Um, I think there's tons of stuff to learn. And I think people will listen to it over and over. We have lots of listeners that are either embarking on their own business or working through their own um, company and, and how to sort of be a little bit more mindful and be a little bit more of a boss. So thank you very, very much. Oh, my you, pleasure. Thanks. You are a badass. Thank Thanks, you. Leslie. Thanks. The best compliment I've received all day. Badass <laughs> Bolt. All right. So for Badass Bolt and Badass Ronnie and uh, Badass Saucy, Saucy, Saucy Simone. Saucy Simone. <laughs> <laughs> We're signing out. And uh, yes, thank you very much from this lady party to yours. Have a lovely evening. <laughs>